third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. Phone lines are open. We want to hear from you on Q's Basketball, 315-437-7644. I did catch up with Jerry McNamara uh, just a short time ago over at the Mellow Center. We'll play that interview for you uh, at some point today. But other than that, phone lines are open. We said it was going to be close. It doesn't get any closer Then what happened last night, Seth, the last at-large team in the field of 68, Syracuse gets that spot. Notre Dame, the first team left out, and because of Rhode Island's loss to Davidson uh, yesterday, Notre Dame's out, Syracuse is in, and the Orange is heading to Dayton as we expected. We said it was either going to be Dayton or NIT, sure enough, heading to Dayton to take on Arizona State. Yeah, before we get into SU, uh, did you see the video of Danny Hurley after yes. he saw Arizona pop up. Like I, I got this feeling that he was like, Oh no, we cost him a bid. <laughs> right? Like he was like, Oh no, I just cost my brother a bid by losing earlier today. And I, I felt like the relief on his face. Like it was a feeling that I could I could like uh I, I could in in a way relate to you, right? Like, oh thank God I didn't I didn't cost my brother something terrible. The the three videos, Syracuse's, Arizona State's, and and Danny Hurley with Rhode Island. I mean, it was it's cool to see, and that's what March Madness is all about, right? I mean, you see the the SU kids, you know, staring at the TV screen, and they know after St. Bonaventure, it's either going to be St. Mary's or Syracuse, or if it's someone after S, then they know that they're out and holding their breath, and then the jubilation they have. I don't know if you happen to see Arizona State's uh, video, incredible Bobby Hurley, you know, they sitting down, the pool. all the guys are behind them they go nuts they run out there at Bobby Hurley's house they run outside they jump in the pool they celebrate and then Danny Hurley just breaks down and just sobs as you know he sees that Arizona State gets in and, and his brother's able to get in and you know I think his players were kind of making fun of him a little bit but I mean that's yeah. what March is all about it's about the emotions it's about everybody having a chance it's about a clean slate now we saw this two years ago SU got in as a 10 seed nobody thought they were gonna make it to the final four and I'm in no way predicting this team's going to the final four but anything, but can, anything happen. can happen, and we know that. You just get in, and then it's a clean slate. Now they got to play an extra game, but it beats the alternative, which is going to the NIT. Yeah, that that's the thing that I I keep coming back to is it. You're in Dayton. You got to play these play-in games. We've we've got to sit up until midnight watching this thing. But at least it's not the NIT, right? Like at at least. At least they're not going to the NIT. Like, yeah, they're playing for the right to go play Jamie Dixon in the second round or in the first round. And, like, sure, you don't really want that. But uh, at least it's not like these meaningless games in the Dome that we saw last year that nobody really cared about. Um, and one one last point on these videos. I was standing in the Mellow Center. We're out in the hallway. And, and I, I'm not sure how many of our listeners have been in the Mellow Center. But, Steve, you'll, you'll understand this. We're out in the hallway. We're watching on the TVs and the display cases, uh, you know, next to the jerseys, next to the, the here's how many people have gotten drafted, whatever. We're outside. Practice court's on the other side of the wall. Team is somewhere in that back area that we aren't allowed. And somehow, I'm not sure how, but their feed was ahead of ours. So you so heard, the, heard, heard the roar. We heard a roar, like it blasted through the walls. 
And then we see Syracuse pop up. Um, it was really interesting to see that happen. Uh, that that was unexpected uh, to me. I mean, we I, I didn't think that they were going to make it. Um, I thought that it would be really close, but I didn't think they were going to make it. And and the more I t- thought about it over that last half hour, the more I thought they were out. And so then to see their name pop up, it was surprising to me. There was a tweet sent out, oh, probably three hours or so prior to the selection show starting that the chairman of the committee, Bruce Rasmussen, said that there were three deciding factors um, that played the biggest role in, you know, determining who got in on the bubble and and who was left out. And the three determining factors were all positives for Syracuse. Record away from home. Remember, Syracuse had six wins away from the carry dome. Record versus other tournament teams. And some of the mid-majors helped Syracuse out in that category as well. I mean, Texas Southern gets in. You know, we know Buffalo won the MAC conference title. Iona. Um, You know, Buffalo's RPI definitely helped. It jumped it to 20 five after they won that game and now all of a sudden they've got four quadrant one wins and we had talked about that um and the last one was strength the strength of schedule we know su strength the schedule was off the charts it was top 10 uh non-conference and then overall top 20 and when i saw that i thought all right there's a shot there's a decent shot and then as the selection show continues and louisville doesn't get in then notre dame doesn't get in yeah. you're thinking to yourself there's a good shot here when did you know that they were in? Because standing there watching, like I felt pretty good once Notre Dame and Louisville in that like weren't in. I was like, oh, like they're probably in. And then you know another team pops up. I think I think uh, there was like Oklahoma that popped up after, and you're like, oh, maybe not. And then and this is gonna sound stupid, but once the Syracuse card turned over, and it wasn't like. More importantly than it being Syracuse, when it wasn't St. Mary's, right. like I right. was like, oh, that's like that's it. Like if that next one was St. Mary's, if like Greg Gumble was like the Gales from, I would have been like, no chance. Like that's right. that's it. Throw in the towel for me. And you know, Beheim referred to this, and and I think for most of us that follow this closely, when Notre Dame and Louisville, two ACC teams, were both left out, I felt like okay, there's a there's a really good shot here that that that's Syracuse. Um and and we had been comparing SU's resume to Louisville's and and we well, all remember fell we around said, here that it, that SU had the better resume and remember we said last week I, I know I did multiple times uh I thought those three teams were fighting for one bit and it I mean turned out they were because of the Davidson thing but it it was pretty close to those three am, fighting for one I bit I am surprised that Notre Dame was the first team left out me too um and that. You know, it wasn't St. Mary's or that Louisville got the edge over Notre Dame. And, and again, I understand. It. I mean, if you're Notre Dame, like you've got the case. We keep coming back to 15 and five. Wasn't that, that was their record, right? 15 and five. Something, like that, something yeah. like that. I mean, that or 14 and six, 14 whatever and it six. was. I mean, that's that's a compelling case that, you know, if you're, yes. you know, when healthy, this is, you know, and, and Mike Bray said it, we're not a top 68 team. We're a top 20 team when we're healthy. And, and that is a compelling case. Um, body of work, like if you're going strictly by body of work. It's it's hard to argue Notre Dame and you mentioned two of their three bad losses were when they, they were fully losses. healthy. Yeah. Uh you know Ball State at home for instance. You know Arizona State. I was banging on Arizona State last week. I said they have not won a meaningful I, game since I December not right, 10th. Though? No, and and I said back then I said you're <laughs> yeah. right that I know that that's the rule, right? That's how they're supposed to look at it. You know, if you're USC today, you're you're you're, 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 you're pointing annoyed. to to the two resumes side by side and you're saying, "Listen, 
We at USC won twenty three games. We finished strong. We went six and eight or six and two down the stretch. You know, won six of our last eight games. Arizona State went one and five. Arizona State hasn't won a meaningful game since December tenth. Here's the problem for USC: zero and eight versus the tournament field. There you go. Zero and eight versus the tournament field. Their best win was Middle Tennessee State. That's not going to get the job done. Right, like that's that's just not good enough, and and so I get it, and they're going to be annoyed, and and I'm sure you saw this, but Andy Enfield last night at his press conference, uh, talk about what a uh, what an annoyed coach looks like and sounds like. Uh, Andy Enfield, after his team did not make the NCAA tournament, was that annoyed coach? I, RPI, I mean, it was so obvious. RPI of 34, strength of schedule 37, and and you're right, they just they they didn't do enough. In terms of against the and, better teams. And how annoyed are you if you're the Pac-12, by the way? I mean, the Pac-12, uh, not that they had a great year by any means, but they got two at-large teams, and they're both going to Dayton. Well, I don't know if you could be annoyed. The fact that Arizona State snuck in, I think you're relieved that Arizona that State was in. That Right, because that conference was down this year. Um no doubt. And Arizona State struggled. Arizona State was 8-10 and 10 against the Pac-12, and then 8-11 and 11 if you take into account right. you know, the tournament. conference tournament. They got in, as we know, and we point, I, I, and I know you're right. You pointed this out last week. You said, well, it's an entire body of work. You know, a game in November counts just the same as a game in February, which I think is a little bit misguided, but I understand that that's the rule. They beat Kansas. They beat Xavier. They beat Kansas State earlier in the year. Kansas State is in an NCAA tournament. tournament team. They beat San Diego State. San Diego State is an NCAA tournament team. They had some good wins. They started 12-0. and That 12-0 and start got, got them, them in, in the NCAA tournament. Now, as you look at this matchup from a Syracuse perspective, I think you have to be pleased you're playing a team that is not playing well right now um, on the one side. On the other hand, they're a team that scores a lot, averaging 84 points per game, and they've got four guys that hit 37% from three-point range or better. So that's a little bit concerning. But you're in the tournament. You're playing a team that's been struggling. You're playing a team that... Again, has not played well since the middle of December, and both these teams feel like they have new life. And that's what the play-in game is all about, right? It's a chance to give, you know, generally it's the bigger programs that, you know, maybe didn't quite do enough, but you feel like, here, here's your opportunity. Show us you deserve Show to be in the field. Play right. your way into the field of 64. That's what these games are all about. And Arizona State and Syracuse fit that bill Perfectly, like this is isn't doesn't this feel like the the perfect matchup for a first four game in Dayton? I thought Oklahoma Arizona State would have been a perfect matchup. Saying, "Hey, you guys both were great at the start. You were terrible down the stretch. Go right, like one of us show that you belong here." Uh, you mentioned the scoring prowess of, of Arizona State, and I think this is something uh, that I'll I'll take away over the course of this season. We've seen that Syracuse is a very good defensive team. Right? Like, over the course of the season, if I know one thing about this Syracuse team, it's that they're a really good defensive team. And when they've played really good offensive teams, for the most part, they've done a very good job. I mean, you look at the the best offenses they played in, you know, a Duke or Kansas or, or, you know, teams like that, they held them down, what, 15, 20 points below their season average? I think that's a really big deal. I mean, they went into Cameron and held Duke to 60. Right? So, like... I know that you mentioned Arizona State's a team that averages 85 or so points per game and is a really good offensive team, but based on what we've seen this year, don't you think that they could go into Dayton on Wednesday night, play their really good defense that we have seen this year travels and goes on the road and goes to neutral sites, and they could hold them down just enough that maybe if they get a good game out of, 
Tice Battle and O'Shea Brissett, maybe it's enough to get a win. Can I point this out as well? Yeah. Uh, they played Washington. Washington, I think, plays the same defense. They yeah. lost to Washington. Yeah. So I think that that's, a, that's an encouraging sign if you're an SU fan, the fact that you know this team went up against Hop in that 2-3 zone, and Washington is not as good as Syracuse. No. And, and Washington won that game. So, yeah, I think... Listen, all things considered, you're, if you're an SU fan, you're just thankful they're in. But I think if you look at this matchup, yeah, I think you feel pretty good about this first-round matchup. You're going up against a team that's struggling. You know they've got a lot of talent, but they're struggling. And they haven't seen a ton of zone. And the the one time that they saw the same zone that you play, or essentially the same zone, they lost. So I do think that that is an encouraging sign uh, for Syracuse heading into this game on Wednesday. Phone lines are open, 315-437-7644. We want to hear from you. We're just getting started on a Monday edition of Orange Nation, back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth, back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village, 315-437-7644. If you'd like to get involved, let's go to the phone line. Steven North Syracuse kicking us off today on Orange Nation. Hey, Steve. Uh, the guy that I feel happiest for is Tyus Battle, because if we had not been picked, the first image that would have come into my mind is him having his pocket picked on the last play against Notre Dame, and they go down and score, because it could have been that one uh, game that might have made the difference. But the great thing about making the playoffs in, in any sport is that all the negative things that have happened up until that point don't matter anymore because everybody's zero and zero. It's almost like it's a battle to make the bad things irrelevant, and, and we've won the battle, and so is Arizona State. It doesn't matter that they've lost uh, so many games recently because now they're going to play this game, and that doesn't tell us who's going to win this game. And I think that's the exciting thing about it. It's also the fact that the uh, the teams on this level are uh, such imperfect teams with various strengths and weaknesses. It's interesting when they get matched together because we're a good defensive team that can't score very well. They're an offensive team that isn't that good at defense. We're tall. They're short. They can shoot from outside. We can't. And it'll be a battle to see which team can exploit its own strengths and the other team's weaknesses the best. I, I like that call, Steve. I think you, you laid it out perfectly. That That is part of the fun of, of this time of year. You get to see these matchups of, you know, how how much has Arizona State seen the zone this year? Not, not much. that much. And, you know, we know they saw it against Washington and it did not go well. Not to compare the two because it's different coaches, different players, but Syracuse played Arizona State in 2009. James Harden was on that team. James Harden went two for ten. Arizona State looked like he had never seen a zone in its life. You know, we we, we know from you know previous Final Four trips, like the the Indiana game comes Tom to mind. Crean? Tom yeah. Crean looked like he had never seen a zone before. So, are you telling me that if Syracuse wins, they're in for bad news because Jamie Dixon's around the corner? Well, yes, and we haven't discussed that yet. <laughs> one, one of our uh, loyal listeners. 
um, and pointed out, and he's right, that uh, Jamie Dixon's 15-6 and all-time against Jim Bayon. But that conversation is for another day. That's, you know, if, if Syracuse is able to survive Wednesday, they would play the, the late game on Friday against TCU uh, in Detroit. And again, we'll have plenty of time to, to preview that matchup. Um, but yes, I mean, that is that is one of the storylines. That is intriguing, that Jamie Dixon has seen that zone so much. And, and so if Syracuse advances, uh, sure, that's going to be one of the things um, that, that comes up. Uh, back to the phone lines. Uh, let's get another one in here. Uh, Scooter in Jamesville up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Scooter. Hey, guys, if you want a sneak preview uh, on the Pac-12 network on Channel 380, they're showing the January, I think, 18th Colorado-Arizona State game. I think that's when they were playing their best was December and January. But I, what, what I've seen of them, because they played Washington and teams like that, they seem to remind me of a lot of Boston College. Uh, they'll shoot the threes. They hit 15. They're probably going to win if they go. 0 for 20, they're going to lose. The guard's are a little smaller. BC's guard's a little bit bigger, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, maybe, you know, who knows, even maybe Arizona State plays a little zone because I just can't see them height-wise uh, guarding, guarding our tall guards. Uh, as, far as, as far as the analytics goes, if it's going to be straight analytics and not, and not like, uh, you know, the people that kind of know just basketball, uh, it's going to be interesting because I, I, I understand analytics when I find out, like, for example, Gonzaga – is uh, strength of schedule on uh, non-conference is 101. Even though they played six teams on the road, they were quad ones, went three and three, and Syracuse is 14, and basically didn't play a, a team a team on the road actually at their home campus. So that that's considered 14 in Gonzaga, which played Villanova, played uh, Washington, played uh, San Diego State, uh, uh, Texas, uh, Florida, and Ohio State all on the road. That's considered 101, you know, strength of uh, non-conference. So the analytics is like kind of fig- trying to figure that thing out. And I think it's a great matchup. I think TCU is the weakest of the six seeds. And I think St. Mary's USC would be a harder matchup for Syracuse just because how they play inside out. They can, guys, they have inside out presence. So I think Arizona State, play them like you played against Boston College and just hope they don't hit 15 threes. Yeah, and it's a good comparison. You know, I liken that backcourt maybe to to St. Bonaventure because of the size, because both of those guards are six one, and you know St. Bonaventure's guards, uh, you know, both uh, you know Mobley and Adams, both a little bit undersized, um, but you know they can fill it up. And and these you know these guards for Arizona State can fill it up, uh, both averaging sixteen points or better. Uh, they both shoot thirty seven percent or better from three. They've got essentially five guys averaging double figures, four and double figures, and then the fifth guy's at nine points. So they're balanced. Syracuse is not. That's one of the things Steve didn't mention is, you know, the he compared the outside shooting of the teams and the offensive defense. You know, this Arizona State team has balance on offense. Syracuse does not. It's 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 three guys, and you hope for a fourth. And and right. so maybe that's what this game comes down to. Can Syracuse get something from a fourth guy? Isn't that and, what? Every, and how well does Arizona State shoot the ball from the outside? Isn't that essentially yeah. what every game has come down to for Syracuse? Though like, seems like, and it. I know we talked about this a lot last week in Brooklyn, like. They really needed somebody else to step up. Like, really needed somebody else to step up in that game on Wednesday night, right? Like, they they needed some other option because Tyus wasn't able to quite get it going. Frank wasn't quite able to get it going. O'Shea was phenomenal. But they didn't get anything really out of Merrick. They didn't get too much out of Pascal. I mean, look, Merrick gave them six and five and a couple assists, uh, a couple blocks. So uh, he kind of, sort of gave them what you expect out of him. But given where that game went, you needed more. And I think that that's going to be the, the the answer to how far can this team go in the tournament, right? 
How much do they get out of Marek Dolish, right? How much do they get out of Matthew Moyer? How much do they get out of Pascal Chukwu? How effective are these other options? Because you go up against a team like Arizona State, and they can score, and maybe you're able to hold them down a little bit and depress what they do a little bit. Uh, but to the same point, how far de- how far can you bring them down, right? Can you bring them down like that Duke game where Duke came down 25 points off their season average? That's going to be tough. Can you bring them 20 points down off their season average? Okay, you still have to go out and score 70 points. And how confident do you feel that SU is going to go out and score 70 points right now? We've seen it sometimes, but we don't see it often, right? I mean, we don't see it on a consistent basis. But I was just going to say, it might be first team to 70. And I, I don't... I don't know. Like we've seen this team play offensively, they they have their limitations. They have their challenges on offense. When they've played good teams, we talked about this last week. When they play elite teams, especially, they struggle on that end of the floor. Carolina overplayed the wings and it was it was a struggle just to get into the offense and then it felt like, you know, every other possession there was, you know, 8 seconds on the shot clock and it was here Tyus, go do something. Here Frank, right. go do something and and try and score one on one and against good teams you're not going to be able to do that. SU struggled with the exception of that one game in the dome against Carolina. Struggled on offense against the better teams, you know, against the Virginias, the Dukes, you know, Kansas, North Carolina. They had one game where they played well offensively against an elite team, and that was the North Carolina game. Now, I wouldn't say Arizona State is is an elite team. I mean, they showed at times that they have that that ability and that talent. They started the year twelve and zero. They were in the top five in the country. They have not played well over the course of the last three months. So, you know, which team shows up? For, for Arizona State, which team shows up for Syracuse? And, and I mean, essentially, that's what this game comes down to, right? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it comes down to. And I think that Syracuse, given who they're playing and, and given the struggles that Arizona State has had uh, at times this year, given that they, they haven't really played well in the last two months, I don't think this is a bad matchup for the Orange. And, and I'm intrigued to see what they can do. Uh, you look at two teams that finished sub-500 in their conference. You know, if we're going to point that out for Arizona State, we have to point it out uh, for Syracuse as well. You're looking at two teams that finished with the same conference record. I would argue, though, that the ACC, ACC is much better than the Pac-12. The, and I agree with that. The ACC is light years ahead of the Pac-12 right now. Uh, but two teams that finished sub-500 in their conference, I'm curious to see what this thing looks like because, as as Steve said at the start of the segment, uh, two very, very different styles of play, two very uh, contrasting styles of play, and really, they they butt heads. I mean, Syracuse. When you watch them, and and this happened in the, in the UNC game, Syracuse wants to do everything they can to stop themselves from getting out and running. They don't want to have they like they don't necessarily want to stop the other team from running. They want to stop themselves from running, right? Which is this unbelievable thing that that we've seen this year, where they don't want to get out and run, even though it might help them and benefit them. And I would imagine that if you're scoring 85 points a game, no matter how good your three-point shooting is, you want to get out and run a little bit, right? Like, you've got to get out and run a little bit and play with some kind of tempo. So how is Syracuse going to match that? Because last Wednesday night, it didn't work, right? Like, that that did not work well, the biggest reason The biggest reason it didn't work is that they turned the ball over too much. Right. Uh, especially early in the game, and those turnovers directly led to baskets. And so, you know, you want to say, what's the what's the blueprint for this game? It's it's the blueprint that it's been all season long, especially during ACC play. It's defend, it's rebound, 
and and I really think it's 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 take care of the basketball because the the turnovers that that's what allowed North Carolina to get out and run, get some easy baskets, build that lead to double figures, and then you felt like going into the locker room. Syracuse doesn't have much of a chance tonight because you know Carolina was had a comfortable lead and Carolina was out doing its thing, and and Arizona State wants to do the same thing. Arizona State wants to get up and down, play with pace, uh, you know, and they want the game in the seventies and eighties, and obviously SU wants the game in the fifties or sixties based on what we've they seen. They love a game played in the forties. If yeah. they could do it. Interesting uh, note about the, the sub-500 conference record. Five teams in the field have a sub-500 conference record. Uh, Syracuse, Texas, Oklahoma, Arizona State, and Alabama. Uh, the most ever in the NCAA tournament. The previous record was three teams with sub-500 conference records all the way back in 1991. So we haven't really seen this, but there has been a shift in terms of what is important to the committee. And it just so happened that this year, what was important to the committee Syracuse happened to have on its resume, and so Syracuse gets the nod over the likes of Louisville and Notre Dame. There's a shift in what's important, and and I'm, you know, I don't I don't know. Like, is Alabama really like a team that got it that deserves to get in, not in a play-in game? Like Oklahoma, not in a play-in game. Like, I, I don't know. I thought Alabama Bob, played really well last they, week in the SEC tournament. Okay, yes, but total body of work. And, I would say I, I would even argue that Alabama deserved it over Oklahoma in that sure. sense because you know Alabama truly played its way into the field of sixty-eight. And if if that's what the play-in games are about, proving something. Hey, you know, go out prove it. Prove to us you, you deserve to be in the field of sixty-eight. I'm not so sure about Oklahoma, but Alabama did its job last week, and Alabama. To to me, anyway, proved that it deserves that's, to be in the field of yeah, 64. That's fair. Uh, I mean, look, I, there are a lot of teams this year, and I think we've hit on this at some point. There are a lot of college basketball teams that are just purely average or just kind of good, right? Not great. Um, there are only a couple of teams that you could say are really, truly great and dominant. I think that we're seeing that at the bottom, right? There, there are teams that are... Sub-500 in their league, and I know that there's been an emphasis on total body of work and not just conference schedule, but it, it feels like that's the byproduct, right? Like, this year is just kind of an, an average college basketball year across the country, right? Like, nobody's, nobody's like, run away from you dominant. Virginia's really good. I think UNC's really good. I think Duke is really talented. I think Arizona is incredibly talented, and I'm disappointed that they got a four seed and they'll have to face Virginia in in the How Sweet about, 16. Just like, t- time out th- here, yeah. and you're making a good point, but time out since you brought it up. How about Virginia's path? To Brutal. the Final Four. They're, they're going to have to play either Creighton or Kansas State in the second round. Both of those dangerous teams. And then they've got either Kentucky or Arizona most Brutal. likely waiting for them after that. And Arizona, I feel like Arizona is you know, under-seeded. They're very four. I mean, if you've seen them play and if you've seen DeAndre Ayton, the, the dude is a beast down DeAndre low. Ayton is a, is a man-child. Like, I, I know we're talking about Marvin Bagley a lot. as like a freak of nature. Like, multiply that by 10, and you get DeAndre Ayton. Virginia's going to have its hands full. If Virginia gets to the Final Four and Tony Bennett gets to the Final Four, they will have earned it because yes. the, that bracket is is by no means easy. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. Yeah. I just I had to point that out as you were as you were talking about the you know the elite teams and you're right. There there are a handful of elite teams. You know, Arizona being a four seed, I think Arizona's got a shot to make a run in this tournament. I do too. I do too. And I, I think that part of my I think that that's part of my thought here is like there are only so many really, really good and dominant and insanely talented teams. And I think that we're seeing that trickle down to the bottom where eh Right, like it's just kind of average, and and that's why you have an Oklahoma in easy, and that's why you have an Arizona State in and a Syracuse in because 
Like, you can poke holes in everyone's resume more so this year, I think, than in, in previous years. All right, let's take another timeout. Full lines remain open, 315-437-7644. SU's going dancing as they will play Wednesday night around 9.15 in the play-in game in Dayton against Arizona State. We're going to take another timeout. Back after this on ESPN Radio.